Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Tim Mullaney with Senior Housing News. We're pleased to bring you this special episode of the podcast. In the first part of the episode, recorded at the recent NIC conference in San Diego, you'll hear an interview about a promising and creative new partnership between assisted living communities and primary care innovator Oak Street Health. Shortly after we recorded that interview, the COVID-19 situation dramatically escalated in the United States. In the second part of this podcast, you'll hear about how the assisted living communities are benefiting from the Oak Street Partnership during this time of crisis. First, we'd like to thank our podcast sponsor today, Point Click Care. Are you looking to streamline your workflows for service delivery and documentation? Visit www.pointclickcare.com to see how Point Click Care's new mobile app, Companion, can provide you with simplified services and medication delivery in the palm of your hand. Ryan Clough has been involved in the senior housing and care industry for more than 35 years. He's currently the owner and operator of affordable assisted living communities and senior apartments in Illinois, and is developing three new skilled nursing facilities in the state as well. He's forged a partnership with Oak Street Health, an innovative primary care provider for older adults that has clinics in eight states. The Oak Street model includes a variety of benefits for seniors, such as longer appointment times, rides to and from appointments, and same-day scheduling. Though still in the very early stages, Chloe and Oak Street showcase the potential for unique collaborations and new ways of uniting housing with healthcare services. At the recent NIC conference, Skilled Nursing News reporter Maggie Flynn and I spoke with Chloe and Oak Street Health's Senior Vice President of Care Services, Grace Chen, to learn more about how this partnership got started, how it's set up, and where they want to go. So, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Can you start out by just introducing yourself and your organization? and talk about the roots of the partnership with Oak Street. Great. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's kind of like, my name is Brian Glow. I've been in senior living post-acute care for a long time, since 83. So it makes it like, you know, 36 years or something. So I've been doing this a long time. And uh, and throughout all those years, you know, I think that uh, getting to the point of, of kind of this discussion, the journey I've been on for a lot of those 36 years was trying to find ways to keep our residents happy and healthy and in our buildings and it, it's never been an easy thing to do. And, and, and throughout those years, I've tried a variety of different things as an operator to do that. But, you know, sort of the challenge has always been the disalignment of healthcare services when people live in custodial senior living, whether it's assisted living or skilled nursing. And just how do you, you know, it's never been very good alignment in, in a fee-for-service model in all those 36 years, to be honest with you. I mean, so as part of that journey, we've been looking for opportunities to just create a different model and, and to bring more resources into our communities that allow us to keep our residents happy and healthy and in our buildings. So how did Oak Street first cross your radar, or what were you looking for in partnering with that? Yeah, so so I think what um, Oak, Oak Street crossed my radar, you know, kind of the first year they started. You know, I met the guys who founded Oak Street before they literally opened their first clinic and it just had a huge amount of respect for what they were doing. And what they were doing was they was they were creating, you know, while they didn't say these words, I, I, re, I told them what you should say is this, and that was they were creating primary care in healthcare deserts. 
So they were going into areas that were lacking primary care, and they were opening up primary care clinics. And I get chills even now saying that because I think what they did is such great work. And they literally went into markets where there was no primary care, and they brought not just a primary care model, but I even call it further. They, they brought you know, free concierge medicine to people that had no access to primary care, let alone you know, getting a robust care coordination primary care strategy. So I met them before they opened the first clinic, and I begged them then to come into senior living. And they were incredibly focused and disciplined, as they always are, and rejected my advances <laughs> for you know, many, 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 many years until finally um, I think that they finally saw some opportunity potentially to, as their clinics age in place, as their members of their clinics age in place, their moral compass is so high that they see an obligation to their members to follow them into whatever setting they live in. And so as their members age in place or age, they're starting to see a need for some of their members that now have been around seven years. And, hey, maybe we need to start following our members into these environments because otherwise, A, we lose a member, and B, we just don't do the right thing by a member. So it's better for us to kind of stick our toe in the water and figure this out and see if it's we can create a model and the sustainability to it and, and see how it goes. So... And you use the word free. I assume that the, someone's getting paid. How, how is Oak Street actually? Uh, yeah. So, yep. Grace, you comfortable answering that? And, you know. I would say uh, it's a, we do believe in uh, full responsibility for the patient. Mm-hmm. So it's that full accountability, right? That does mm-hmm. include quality and total cost of care. So there tends to be relationships with payers mm-hmm. in our relationship with Brian. There is a third kind of leg in that of our payer partner. And we're talking Medicare Advantage, other types of managed care payers. Who, where, who, what is the payer? Yeah, so, you don't so, have to speak specifically yeah, if you can. Yeah, no, 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 it's okay. Payer, but... and, and I'll address maybe the free part too, because you know I, I said it, so it's sort of unfair to throw it to Grace. But what I mean by free to, to the residents and the members, they're not paying extra for it. You know, I mm-hmm. pay two thousand dollars a year to a concierge doctor for the privilege of having a doctor that I can talk to and who's you know takes care of me. Mm-hmm. You know, to the seniors that join Oak Street or use Oak Street as a primary care provider, they're not paying extra for that service. In, in many cases, it's it's just included in their Medicare benefits, mm-hmm. and they're maybe even paying less because if they're a Medicare Advantage patient, they don't have Medicare co-pays for supplemental. So it's actually, mm-hmm. for you know people that have that, it's actually costing less to get better care and more services. That's what I meant by three, so I'll define right. that. In our model, the third leg of the stool is, um, is, is a company that's called More Care, They've created, it's owned by a company called MHN, Medical Home Network, and they have a um, whole cadre or a set of plans. They have an I plan, an I SNP plan, an IE SNP plan, um, a Medicare Advantage plan, and a C SNP plan. We're utilizing the IE SNP plan for the members that live in our buildings. And for those that don't know what IE means, because I just learned this recently, it's an institutional equivalent special needs plan versus since our communities are not defined as institutions because they're residential. The, the right plan enrollment is IE SNP versus, let's say, skilled nursing, which would be an I SNP. And Grace, maybe can you talk about just the kind of services and how the clinical model that initially was created for the Oak Street clinics that Brian was talking about, how does how that translating into an assisted living center? Yeah, so our traditional model in our centers is uh, frequent visits, availability, and access of the providers and the care teams for the for our patients. It is clinical services plus wraparound services to it. Behavioral health needs, social workers, addressing transportation, and any 
the other barriers that might be hindering their care that's not necessarily just clinical. So kind of this holistic approach to treating our patients. Uh, what we're doing in the senior housing is very similar. It's an extension of that. We have a care team there uh, seeing patients in the community with additional services on top. So I, I would say we're very much additive to the wellness coordinators and the wellness teams, many times alleviating some of the work and headaches that they have because we can coordinate a lot of the services to ensure that the patient's getting the care that they need, not more and not less. Couldn't agree more. And, and the value we've seen as an operator, again, of having a provider like Oak Street do what they do has been exactly what Grace is describing. It's just tremendous value add to the residents in, in our communities. You know, they're, they're literally saving lives. I mean, no exaggeration. We've got stories in the last seven weeks of people whose lives are impacting and changing based on the approach of really good care. It, it makes me feel bad that what we were offering prior wasn't so good. And it was all we could do because we're not Medicare vendors and the quality of the physicians we had in our buildings. And again, I, I really ultimately look at the fee-for-service world. It just doesn't align with custodial, long-term care, you know, people's needs, you know. And, and you, know, you know, I talked about it in the session yesterday. You know, most of these assisted living facilities, you know, they'll talk about these vans, you know, hey, come live here, we'll take, you know, we got a van, we'll take your mom or dad or grandma or grandfather to the doctor, we'll go anywhere, we got a van, you know. And, and so these people are moving in the buildings because they have to and they need to. They need more services coming to them. They don't have the luxury. It's not safe for them to go in a van, let alone the breakdown of communication of what happens when they go to that van and they go to the doctor, who's going with them and what, what the doctor says or does, how does that get translated back to the record in their building and how do we know what to do and how do we change the meds? It just doesn't work. So, you know, while I feel bad that all the things I've done over the last 30 years, 36 years, you know, we didn't have many choices, you know. It just, you couldn't get this model of care in these communities. And how many communities is it in right now? Three, four, four right, right. Four. So three is pretty solid. We have some challenges in one of our buildings that we're trying to work through, which actually maybe is a good question or a good comment. This is really, really hard. And it, it's really, really hard for everybody. It, it's a change. It's a transformational change to the payer, enrollment for members who live in this environment, it's totally a different sort of way of enrolling. It's all the same as what happens in the resident the general community, but you have to change your approach. So that's hard. Then the next step is, you know, providing the care. That's really hard. Oak Street's working really, really hard in trying to figure out if this is a model that's sustainable financially for them and, you know, ultimately could, could work. And for the operators, it's hard because... It, it, it really impacts every vertical in the building. And, you know, even we've made the mistake till now that we look at this as a clinical program. It really isn't a clinical program. It's an all-encompassing program. It impacts every vertical in the building. Clinical operations, activities or life enrichment, marketing, business development, sales, dietary. There is not a vertical that it doesn't interact with. And, and as an operator, we have to think about changing you know, how do we how do we change our way of doing business to align with providers like Oak Street so we can keep them in our buildings because you know I wake up every day fearful they're going to call me and say they can't do this anymore and I know the benefit to me as an operator I know the benefit to the residents so we want them to do really really well 
and succeed in our building. So we need to work hard to make sure they can. I'll just add, I think the really great part about um, the relationships we have with the the three entities is the communication between. We're on calls every week to talk through some of the challenges. Challenges aren't necessarily bad. It gives us the opportunity to work through it, and we're all willing to adapt and, um, I think, speak freely for what's best for the patient. You don't always get all of those same players at the table. We don't have specialists who are meeting our demand from an access standpoint, the payer is willing to have conversations of adding specialists to their network. You know, um, Brian and his team and operationally are open to, to calling us and changing some of their processes from what they're used to. Mm-hmm. We're making adjustments to, to work with the facility teams and all of that. So it, there's just so much coordination and open conversation, which is, I think, the right way for this industry yeah, and I think you know, kind of what our point is. This is early. Yeah. What Grace is describing is is incredible that we have this team, but we we need to get results from that team. And I think we have the right team to get the results. So to anybody listening to this, you know, doing this, thinking that you're going to start your own plan and you control the building and you control the plan, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You know, we've seen other companies who have started and own their own plan and they own their own buildings. They have not been successful. Because it, it's still a battle between operations, clinical, you know, marketing, business development. You know, it, it's it's hard stuff. So you really have to find committed providers, committed providers, and committed payers. And it's it's not for the faint of heart. So. And from the payment side, I think here and Nick and Tomlinson released some data yesterday showing both increasing penetration, or or I should say, maybe higher penetration of Medicare Advantage in assisted living than she expected to find. It's more like 30%. And also, she took a look at hospitalization rates, and it looks, based on that, like it there is room to reduce that number for various reasons. And if assisted living providers are able to reduce those healthcare costs through things like on-site primary care, then I think the theory is that that's saving the payer money, it's increasing length of stay for the senior living provider, it's increasing quality of life for the resident. So is that kind of a fair description of maybe what that value proposition is? And if this works out, is that the goal? Am I missing any sort of benefits that this could, could bring? You nailed it on a lot of things, but I, I would tell you that you get that and more. I think that and when it's the hard part of what you just described, let's go backwards and talk about this. You need an operator that understands that they've got to change the way they do business. And what I mean by that is we're still struggling with that. So it's not a, it's not a slam dunk. I mean, we're still having challenges with this. And Grace and I had great discussions in the last 24 hours on this exact topic. You know, so in, in assisted living, there is in custodial, we as an industry, coast to coast, have a challenge with these, you know, personal injury lawyers and, you know, plaintiff's lawyers who love to get you know, cases in assisted living and nursing homes. And that's changed, you know, many, many organizations have behavior changes where, you know, somebody trips and falls in a hallway or a resident, you know, we find a resident on the floor, we just automatically call 911 and send them out to the hospital to get evaluated so that out of, out of you know, necessity to protect ourselves from a God forbid future lawsuit that might show up the next four years. So our policies are somebody's on the floor, they go to the hospital. You know, and the resident's mm-hmm. like, I don't need to go to the hospital. I feel fine. Well, you're going to the hospital. Mm-hmm. We're not even calling mm-hmm. your doctor. We're just sending it. We're calling 911. The fire department's going to come. You're going to go to the hospital. 
You're going to get an exam. You're going to get a CAT scan. You're going to get an X-ray. Whatever they do in the hospital, you're going to the hospital because it, it, you know you're you're some relatives going to come sue us later because you fell. We want to have make sure that we we you know treated you. That's got to change, right? Because that costs somebody ten thousand right. dollars, you know. And they didn't need to go because ninety nine percent of the time they come back and they're fine. And so we need to find a way to solve those problems. And I think that's where the challenges come by having an engaged operator. Because if you're not if you're an operator, and you're not willing to do that. And you're going to say, I don't really care. I'm going to keep sending people to the hospital. And I would tell you, Oak Street's not going to be your provider. Mm-hmm. And no plan or payer is going to want to register and enroll your residents. And I think that's an example. And Grace, you know, and, and so, you know, we have to, you have to find that three-legged stool where everybody's celebrating the same outcome. So we're celebrating not sending people to the hospital. We're finding ways and giving our staff alternatives to protect ourselves from liability, but yet also protect the resources of the healthcare system. You know, so I think that, so the benefits you outlined are, are absolutely, you know, correct. And, uh, but in order to get those benefits, you got to be willing to change. And I might make some tweaks to the words because I think it, it matters. Our goal is not to reduce hospitalizations necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's getting the appropriate care for the patient at the time and what they need. Mm-hmm. I think frequently um, they don't need the admission. They need something. It's either eyes on them from a clinical perspective or they may need some kind of intervention or treatment that's available in another setting. We can do a direct admit to a skilled nursing facility where they can keep a 24-hour you know, um, hold on the patient to get eyes on them while they stabilize. It's better for the patient. There's less risk than some of the infections that we are putting them, exposing them to when they go to the hospital. We have better eyes because we have potentially sniff partners who are willing to you know, intervene in certain ways for us and bring them back into the community so patients can be home in the environment that they want to be. So I think that's really critical. It helps us reduce the waste in the system. It helps us keep our our patients, your residents, happier. And it really, I think, it, it works very collaboratively in that way. So it's not just about the hospital missions. It just is so frequently that's the only lever we're pulling when there are other potential resources out there. I bring that up because I believe that maybe greater than 80% of our hospital admissions are inappropriate. <laughs> and, and they're defensive. They're not appropriate or needed by the resident. So I say that as an operator. Mm-hmm. So I bring that up not as a provider, but as, as a provider and operator of the building. And, and we do it in a defensive way. Not We're not protecting the resident. We're protecting us. And it's unfortunate, but that's what these plant lawyers have created. They're adding significant... You know, I, I spent a lot of time with a friend of mine who's a radiologist. He's owns one of the largest radiology practices, and I spent a lot of time with him. He gets so many phone calls from, from the ER while I'm with him for a nursing home patient or an assisted living patient that fell that they're ordering CAT scans for. And I hear him arguing with the ER doctors like, no, we don't need to spend $5,000 on a CAT scan for this person. You know, they have no symptoms or signs they need a CAT scan. And the ER doctors are just doing it to, you know, check their box, and they don't want to get sued. And so we, you know, so I think that it's, it's a little bit crazy, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's about putting the resident or the member or the patient in the center and building the resources around them and giving them the services they need in the most cost-effective way. And I think one of the challenges on enrollment to these programs is that the, a lot of the people in the age of, you know, my age and much older than you guys and, and, and the residents in our buildings is managed care, you know, getting off Medicare fee-for-service is scary to them because the, the original world that... Most of us lived in 
in managed care was controlling costs by denying care. Right. That's not the world that we live in now. If Oak Street or any organization that's at risk for cost of care just denies care, they're just actually making it worse. They'll be so much less expensive to be proactively managing care, treating chronic diseases, getting ahead of it to prevent the higher costs later. That's the new model. And seniors, especially older people, don't get that because their memory of managed care was denied. Got it. Well, you brought up SNF. I'm sitting right here yes. next to Maggie from Skilled Nursing News. So I think that is something we're interested in is that the ecosystem of healthcare is larger than just assisted living and primary care, even the kind of enhanced primary care that Oak Street provides. So it sounds like you do work with other types of providers and that's part of the ecosystem too. Is that right? Yeah, I think there's a tremendous need for skilled nursing providers to be in this continuum with us. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly from a hospital discharge standpoint, many of our patients will go into that setting, and that's a step down from supportive living. So I, I very much see it as part of the continuum. Yeah, and as I own and operate custodial skilled nursing as well, you know, and I'm building three new skilled nursing facilities in Illinois right now, and I we manage nine you know, skilled nursing or nursing homes that are licensed. Some are skilled, some are intermediate, some are you know, focused on behavioral health or mental health, all in Illinois. And, and so we have about 1,600 custodial, long-term skilled patients that we care for now. And we are excited about working with a provider like Oak Street in that environment as well and seeing similar outcomes and doing some of those things. I think that it's a, it's a different opportunity because there's so much more clinical staff in skilled nursing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think some of the things that we're talking about with Grace right now are utilizing sort of the short-term part of the skilled nursing facilities, not necessarily the custodial Mm -hmm. long-term sections. That was something I wanted to ask actually is just where would this fit in the skilled nursing environment? It obviously would be different, but the treating in place aspect that you mentioned, that's a concern for skilled nursing facilities as well. This idea that they could treat patients in place when maybe they're sending them out to the hospital. So I guess obviously it's early days, but how do you see skilled nursing fitting into this model? Yeah, I I, I probably could answer that probably better than Grace right now, only because of my certain experience with that. So there's two implications of this type of a model for skilled nursing. One implication is for the custodial long-term population. And the ability to skill in place a custodial patient to a skilled nursing operator is huge. It should give us a great opportunity to negotiate rates with providers and or payers and skill in place. And to the payer, uh, to the payer, it's a huge win for them if we say, hey, you know, this is a resident that normally would go to the hospital, but we could treat them here, but we can't treat them, you know, for 500 hours a day that normally would be the rate that we'd get if they went to the hospital and came back. But if we had a rate that was more aggressive, where maybe only three to five days, we could treat them here and avoid the ambulance trip when it in itself is going to cost $1,000 or $2,000 if it's advanced life support. And then ER visits probably, you know, three to five to $7,000. And then they go inpatient for three days and they come back for, you know, a 20 or 30 day stay in a SNF. We can avoid all that by treating them on site in place. You know, give us, we need a different rate though. So I think that you'll see some opportunities there. And, and facilities that have skilled Medicare, you know, party sections. I think that you're starting to see some of that already. But it really starts with doing enrollment in the custodial population. I think the model that we're working on with the senior living, we're utilizing strategic SNFs for the short term. And eventually, our goal is 
my goal is to move the same model with Oak Street potentially and with more care into the skilled custodial business as well. So I guess my last question is just kind of about measuring success. What are you looking at? Is it is it length of stay? Is it are there other key metrics that you're looking at in order to evaluate whether you're from succeeding? the operator side, we're looking at exactly that. So length of stay, decrease in discharges will create length of stay, sort of closing the back door. And then honestly the big thing is, you know, managing efficiency of our staff. You know, Ryan from New Perspective says this really, really well, that, you know, increasingly senior living is seeing a rising acuity and more and more staff time and our abilities being taken by healthcare providers, people that are billing Medicare, you know, home health, hospice, podiatry, pharmacy. They're not billing the facility for anything, but they're providing services that are billable to Medicare in the buildings. But on a daily basis, they're requiring more and more staff time from the assisted living provider who's really not getting paid or rewarded to spend that time with those providers. But those providers are demanding more and more time. So like if, you know, one of the things that I can tell you in the last seven weeks that the staff in our buildings are saying that the buildings where Oak Street's really you know, working hard is that they have a big part of their day back in their control because they're not managing all those healthcare providers. Grace mentioned it earlier. It's a huge win. So the metrics that we're looking at that we've seen data already in a short time that are very important, you know, very, you know, make us want to go harder, faster, and help them get more market share in our buildings is yeah, those two. You know, we're, we've already seen an increase in length of stay. We've already seen an increase in productivity time from our staff based on Oak Street having more resources in the building managing that healthcare spend. And the best outcome of all is we're seeing residents get a lot better care. You know, and that's that's probably, you know, the most exciting thing for us. So at the end of the day, it will be a market differentiation. It will be, I mean, there's really no place to look where it's not a positive outcome as an operator. And, and again, I've done this for 36 years. I failed at it for 35 of those years. So, I mean, this is the first time I can say these things that, you know, we're seeing such great results as an operator. And again, the, the trick's going to be, is this sustainable for the providers? That's, you know... Like Ann's data says, I mean, I think the cost of care for this population is higher, but we, we have to solve that problem. And that's why, you know, groups like Oak Street are great partners because, you know, it wasn't easy for them when they opened the first clinic either, but they put the time and energy behind it and they figured it out. And they didn't do it by cutting services. They did it by taking better care of their people. I think, Grace, I would just want to ask that. Like, what made Oak Street interested in this model that well, you've set up. Only because I was whining. <laughs> the, C, the, C, the CEO and the COO were just tired of me whining. But besides that, what else? Yeah, I think this is an important area for us. Our uh, patients and their needs are growing. Ultimately, their conditions are going to worsen, right? These are chronic diseases that aren't cured per se. So mm-hmm. they will advance. And as they advance, they will likely need to move out of, maybe out of their home setting or a different home setting to have additional eyes on them in clinical services. So I think these environments are super important for us. We think that there's a, uh, we can make an impact there with an extension of our care that's not that different. I know we're excited about it even to, to have providers there that we could uh, transition our in-center patients to. So I think there's a lot in this space that makes sense because we're caring for the same patients. Gotcha. I think that covers everything. Brian Grace, thank you so much. Thanks Our pleasure. Thanks. 
After I spoke with Brian and Grace, the coronavirus situation rapidly escalated in the United States, and I wanted to hear about how the Oak Street Partnership might be benefiting assisted living communities. So I connected with Lori Geshery, Director of Enhanced Wellness at Chicago-based Pathway to Living, which operates the assisted living communities involved in the Oak Street Partnership. Here's that interview. All right, Lori, thanks for taking the time to chat. I know that things are really um, very busy right now. I'm just wondering if you can, I guess, explain what your role is and then talk a little bit about how you're responding to COVID and, and in particular, maybe working with Oak Street on that response. So I'm the director of enhanced wellness, which means that I, I work with our partnerships, our healthcare relationships with you know, different strategic primary care partners like Oak Street, but also different home health care companies, physician groups, hospice, labs, all, all different type of partnerships that we create. As far as, you know, what we've been working on right now is really developing our, you know, not developing, but kind of enhancing our rapid response plan to COVID-19. It's certainly been interesting times, I can tell you that, but I'm really proud of, of our wellness team, of our operations team, everyone who's worked together to kind of get that plan in place and operational quickly. I can tell you that so far, you know, we have no, no incidents of any outbreak in any of our communities in all the different states that we're in. And I really think that's been a testament to not only our team members and how hard they're working to initiate these rapid response plans, but the cooperation of the strategic primary care partners that we work with. Great. Can you give me a little insight into, I assume that this involves sort of uh, close coordination and collaboration. How is that working? Are you... uh, in touch with Oak Street at a leadership level on a kind of daily basis. Can you give any yeah. insight into how that's working? Yes, we're, we're actually, you know, we have uh, daily calls. We're working not only with Oak Street, but all of our strategic partners mm-hmm. on a regular basis, keeping track, making sure that we're sharing response plans, making sure that we're sharing protocols so that as the different partners are entering our communities, that they're following the, you know, what we've set in place. Oak Street's a great partner. Right now, they're in four of our communities as we are rolling out our value-based plan. But it's been really a very positive experience. As difficult as the whole coronavirus or COVID-19 issue has been, it, it has really showed the strength of our partnerships, and, and that's uh, that, that makes me feel pretty good. And I assume it must be a source of comfort and confidence for you that to have some of those primary care capabilities on site, do you anticipate that if a resident or a staff member were to display symptoms, that then it could be uh, caught quickly, that there's that resource right there at the community for them to be able to go to? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, right now, really, in, in all of our communities with all of our partnerships, They've done an excellent job at making sure they're, you know, we're, we're identifying different issues. But so far, like I said, we haven't had any. So I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty hopeful about that. If we continue to follow our protocols, hopefully we won't have to deal with any of that. And in terms of Prevention those... Prevention is key. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of the protocols, has there been any change in terms of um, for your healthcare partners, whether it's Oak Street or others, about how often they can come in or how many can come in, anything like that? 
No, but we make sure that they're screened at our front desk. We have a, a strict mm-hmm. screening process, and uh, right now that's that's the best we can do. But it's it's working well, and everyone's been very cooperative. Got it. And have you heard any uh, feedback from residents or staff that? it is helpful to have Oak Street or uh, I guess Oak Street specifically is what I'm interested in, but even other partners as a, um, you know, we're thinking about how as it becomes more dangerous to leave the community, that the more services that can be brought in, that's really important. I think that is there recognition of that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's key, especially for this population of vulnerable adults, you know, seniors, Right now, you know, we have, uh, we're not allowing any family visitation. And although we're setting up different FaceTimes and Zoom meetings that they can talk to their loved ones and they can see each other. But for right now, we're doing our very best to ensure that, you know, we're keeping our seniors safe. So having on-site providers that are willing to come in and provide care is, is outstanding. And then this is a little um, speculative, but I'm wondering if you think, you know, when I was talking to Brian and, and Grace at Nick, we were talking about a lot of reasons why partnerships like the one that you have with Oak Street make a lot of sense and may become more common in the future. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me clear that the COVID situation is might help accelerate that even further because it could show the real necessity and benefit of having senior living communities become hubs of on-site healthcare themselves. Does that seem fair to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with that statement more. You know, we've always, Pathway to Living has always been on the forefront of a coordinated care model, you know, going back, you know, 12 years ago. We have always believed that, you know, our job is to, is to really provide those services and bring those services around our residents you know, because it's, why have them go out in bad weather or risk a slip and fall on the ice, you know, and to also be able to give, you know, the the family members, give them their relationship back to being the daughter or son as opposed to being a care provider. That's our job is to do that. And I think we do it well. And, um, you know, and we do it well because we have these partnerships. Great. And then I guess just lastly, I'm curious on kind of a nuts and bolts level, uh, however much you can share. I'm curious when, uh, say, an Oak Street worker comes into a community these days, what kind of work are they doing? Actually, you know, is right now, I mean, they're dealing with the day-to-day issues of whatever residents need. But typically, you know, they're seeing residents based on the acuity of that resident. They see, you know, residents who have multiple comorbidities are seeing them more often to make sure that they're managing the exacerbations of those disease processes, Mm -hmm. uh, kind of keeping them out of the hospital, keeping them happy, healthy, and in their homes. So they're on top of things quicker. They're not letting things get out of hand where, you know, if a senior just goes out to a doctor, even if they went out, you know, every quarter, as most seniors do, things are already at a level that are hard to pull back. So it's really important that we're staying ahead of the curve and kind of keeping those, those disease processes under control. Right. Anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to share? No, we're just really excited about our relationship with, with Oak street and, and really with all of our care providers, they, you know, they have been great partners for us and uh, we continue to look forward to, 
to see how healthcare changes because of this whole thing. All right. Well, thanks again for taking the time. You're welcome. Hey, stay safe out there, okay? Thanks. You too. <laughs> Wash your hands. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye. And that does it for this episode of Transform. Once again, thanks go to our podcast sponsor today, Point Click Care. If you're looking to streamline your workflows for service delivery and documentation, visit www.pointclickcare.com to see how Point Click Care's new mobile app, Companion, can provide you with simplified services and medication delivery in the palm of your hand. I'm Tim Mullaney. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.